CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Special edition, though, to help you through this quarantine life. We got the Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans, and we got episode two of our new series, Storytime with Rashad, called Bursting on the Scene. So let me bring in that fella right now. You know him. He's an earthquake survivor. All that great stuff. That's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. He's about to bring that heat. Sugar, Rashad, we're going back in the archives of your career painstakingly, moment by moment. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Trying to keep my son out of here, man. He, he's, he's, he's seeing a new area. Now he wants to come through and, uh, and investigate. But I'm good, BC, man, at home, just in, uh, enjoying another day of quarantine. All right. Well, we got great feedback, Rashad, from our last Storytime episode going deep on all things Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you talk about peeing your pants during the Brad Imes fight, but nobody <laughs> noticed, you know? Hopefully. Hopefully, we got a lot of good ones today. Hopefully, all of our listeners out there are doing well. Uh, love bringing this bonus audio to you. And Rashad, today, we are going to break down four consecutive fights, the four that immediately followed your victory in the Ultimate Fighter Season 2 Heavyweight Tournament. You dropped down to 205, and we're talking about Sam Holger, Stefan Bonner, Jason Lambert, Sean Salmon, and these took place from November 2005 to September 2006. Uh, not even a full year, Rashad. You're packing in four fights. It seems to me like this was, we got to hit the ground running. We're the ultimate fighter champion. We gotta, we're, we're training with Jackson Wink. We got to find out how great this guy can be. Yeah, when I first got on the scene, um, you know, uh, I, I wanted to get out there and I wanted to prove that I really – belong you know and step and, and uh stefan bonner and forrest griffin they kind of set the standard of what was expected out of an ultimate fighter so you know in, in my mind i was like i gotta be on a level because i believe that i was as good as those guys so when i um started chain training at michigan i knew that my game needed to evolve and get to another level so that's when i linked up with keith jardine he was like hey you got to come out to albuquerque new mexico and uh, i went out there and, uh, you know, it, it was it was kind of a cool experience, but there was absolutely nothing to do in Albuquerque. And and I was coming from the Chicago area, mid area, Midwest area, where, you know, there's pretty much a lot to do. But, you know, in, uh, in Albuquerque, Mexico, there's nothing to do. Yeah. So uh, it made for a great training place, you know. 
And, uh, you know, that's where I really started to dig my teeth into my training and just develop that mindset, you know, that mindset that Greg, Greg Jackson became really famous for. Let's set the stage here in 2005 for this four-fight stretch. You're 26 years old. We talked at the end of the last Storytime episode about how much winning tough changed your life. You really went from, you know, maybe – big time future potential star fighter hall of Famer, all that you know to oh yeah let's get in the driver's seat this career's for real um 26 you're 6 and 0 as a fighter you moved to new mexico uh did you feel pressure were you excited did you feel like a badass you're about to cut down to 205 what is sort of the mindset at this point um yeah i felt i felt like a badass man i um i, I was kind of I, I, I wanted to test myself more than anything. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, uh, like I, I, I believe that I was tough, but I was like, I want to see how tough I was compared to those guys that I was looking up to on TV. And now that I have my chance to cut my teeth against some of the best guys and baddest guys on the planet. So it, it, each and every single day in camp, I grew more and more confident because of the things that Greg Jackson put us through. You know, Greg would do some crazy, crazy things. And it, now it'd be like abuse. But back then, it was just <laughs> what we did for mental toughness. Like Greg, Greg would do some crazy stuff. Like he'd have us do uh, buddy carries where I'm holding Keith Jardine like he's my wife and I'm walking through the, uh, walking over the, the, the broom, you know, to a to, to wedding. And <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking, I'm holding Keith like that. And, and it's every 60 steps, we got to change. And he holds me like that. But the thing is that we're in the mountains. We're way up, like 8,000 feet up. Yeah. We're on the edge of a cliff. And it's like no room for error. Like if you fall, you're going to fall to your death. And like almost after a few like scary situations, Greg was like, oh, let's switch it up and let's do something different. Why don't you get on Keith's back? Why don't Keith get on your back? But that's the kind of thing that Greg had us doing. He had us on that mindset where we were willing to face death in order to get better because in the cage, you had to be willing to die in there if you wanted to outlast your opponent. Wow. Wow. That's intense. I love that. Um, quick question. You mentioned basically becoming brothers and training partners with Keith Jardine. You had faced him during the ultimate fighter season. And I thought that was the best fight of, of that entire season. Um, what was it? Was it hard to just, you know, put that down and become brothers again? Or was it a thing where you needled him through the years that you always got the better of him? Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I fed off of Keith and we fed off each other. You know, we had a really good symbiotic relationship and, and uh, you know, he, he was good in areas where I was weak at and vice versa. So we really worked really good together. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of happened that even in, the, in our careers as it followed, he would either fight somebody before I did, or I either fight somebody before he did. And we'll end up actually same fighting the same person twice because he'll help me get ready for that person. And I'll help him get ready for that person. So we have two camps of experience working on the same person. So we had that good relationship and it was something where I could be vulnerable with him in training practice. Meaning the fact that, you know, I can try different moves and not be afraid to lose and not be afraid to get caught in a submission and not be afraid to get caught with a punch. Because I knew at the end of the day, if, if it was ever a position where it was not in my best interest, he wouldn't look for the finish. He wouldn't look to, 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 to pile on damage. And that's what you need when you're going with somebody and you're pushing yourself to that level. And Keith was that guy for me. All right. So there was never a point where he said, okay, I've been your brother. I didn't expose you. I helped you build. You helped me build. We're great fighters. But 
Let's empty everyone out of the gym. Let's have our Rocky Apollo rematch, just you and I. Ding, ding. I'm going to show you who's best. Did you ever get to that point with him? Oh, I mean, we, we, we definitely had our, uh, our knockdown, drag-out sparring matches, and that was pretty much every single time that we sparred. But that's what was expected. You know, there's a couple of times. Keith knocks me out in practice one time. It, it was, it, he caught me with the, uh, you know how Keith used to always have that blistering, like blistering left foot combo. He starts it off and he's like, like the Tasmanian devil. Well, he caught me in that with a left hook one time and it, uh, it knocked me out on my feet. And that was like the first time I ever really got stunned or dazed in anything. It was by Keith and training. But that was the kind of training atmosphere that we were, you know, we were putting ourselves into. We were trying to defeat each other in practice, but at the same time, not kill each other. Absolutely. So this four fight stretch that we're going to break down today, we call it bursting on the scene. You want to talk about growth in a four fight stretch. You start off, you're the, you're the ultimate fighter heavyweight champion, but you're raw. You're, I mean, we'll get into this here. You're very raw. You're athletic and explosive and all that, but you're learning on the job at the end of this four fight stretch, Rashad. And let me remind you, you did four fights in 294 days. You were ready for all the smoke. The fights that you had after this four-fight stretch in order, Tito Ortiz, Michael Bisping, Chuck Liddell, Forrest Griffin. So you kind of went from, you know, zero to hero in terms of experience and growth. Even your body really, by the end of this four-fight stretch, you look like championship-level fighter. Um, what was that one year like, man? You were in the meat grinder. Yeah, it was, it, was, um, uh, it, was a, it was a year where I just put everything into it. And, and, I, and I really started to believe in the fact that I could do this. And that's when I started to transfer my mind from being just the guy who competed on the Ultimate Fighter show to the guy who actually started to believe that I can really compete in a light heavyweight division and maybe even be champion, you know? And that's where I was like, I, I, I'm not that's when I started to see my size as not too much of a disadvantage. And I've seen it more as an advantage. And, and I started to really see the attributes that I had and working with guys like Greg Jackson and um, being able to work alongside Keith Jardine and all these guys with a wealth of experience and Michael Van Arsdale and being able to work with these guys with a wealth of experience, but being able to hang with those guys with wealth of experience with all these different disciplines it gave me a lot of confidence and you've seen that every single fight i would just get more and more skills along the way like one fight i get caught in the situation that i almost get finished in and then the next fight that same exact situation comes up and then you see me just learning and how to deal with those positions that previously in other fights i struggled with it's crazy. It's crazy to watch the growth. Uh, final question before we get into these uh, fights and break them down. At the end of the Ultimate Fighter, in that championship interview, you said, look, I, I think 205 is much better for me. Uh, what was that process like? Because you were basically putting on weight to be a heavyweight. Was it, was it much of a weight cut to get, in, to get down to 205 for these fights? Uh, no, it really wasn't much of a weight cut at all. You know, honestly speaking, um, you know, I really had to eat eat my way to be a heavyweight and just to stay around uh, 230 and to step in the cage around 225. It was like, I was, I was gluttonous the whole time. And that's not really a good way you want to fight because you feel fat and you feel bloated. You know, you want to be in your most ripped position or ripped feeling when you get out and fight. So when I started to naturally go through a camp and then I had to do like a little meal cut or a little weight, a uh, little wrestler cut, I was at the perfect weight and I was like, this is the perfect weight for me. 
Now, before all of this happened, I was a, really a 185 pounder who bulked up to 205 and then bulked up the heavyweight. So I was way out of my weight class. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we'll see in the size disparities and even these first few fights that exposed it. Uh, oh, one more uh, additional detail. They mention multiple times in these next two, three, four fights that you're not that far removed from being a hospital security guard in Michigan. So you win the Ultimate Fighter in November 2005. This first fight against Sam Holger is April 2006. When did you stop being a security guard and go full-time all-in in New Mexico? Um, I, I left being a security guard when uh, right, right before the Stefan Bonner camp. So it, it was right before the Stefan Bonner camp I decided that um, – Actually, it was a little bit, it was, at, it was directly after the Stephen Bonner camp, I decided that I would have to do, uh, give up being a security guard because I had to, that was my first real camp that I had to be away at on a consistent basis. So at that point, I was like, I got to, uh, I can't be a security guard no more. That's a, that's a moment. That's a, hey, you know what? I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm growing up. Now. Yeah, I'm growing up. Because at that time, at that time, when I got off the Ultimate Fighter show, I'll never forget this. Uh, the, the, um, the woman who was my mother-in-law, she ended up saying to me, she says, uh, she says, um, okay, Rashad, now, you, now you've done that. Now you can get a real job now. <laughs> but I mean, I, did, I didn't take offense to it because that was the thinking back then. Like it was like fighting was not a real job. Very interesting. All right. We're going to get into these fights, starting with Sam Holger. After we take a quick pause for the cause, we'll be back right after this. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. BC Sugar Rashad, it's story time. Episode two, bursting on the scene. And Rashad, we start off right away. You win the Ultimate Fighter. You get into a professional training camp. And on April 6th, 2006, UFC Fight Night 4. Wow, take me back. It's the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Las Vegas, the site of your Ultimate Fighter victory over Brad Imes. You're back in your home here. Co-main event, the main event that night, Stefan Bonner versus Keith Jardine, your opponents of past and future. Uh, what did you know about this big fella, the Alaskan assassin Sam Hoger, coming into this fight? Well, I, I kind of had an experience with Sam Hoger because when I was coming up in, in, the, uh, in, in the underground circuit, I would go to – Pat Militich gym and I would train with those guys and they would do like some crazy thing where if you wanted to train with them as a journeyman, you had to prove that you were tough. So what they would do is they would have you come in and they would run around robbing on you. And that means everyone would come in and just pretty much just 
take turns, you know, rotating in on you and seeing if you can stop them from either taking you down or you got to take them down or getting up or whatever that drill specific was. So I, uh, I was, I ended up going against Sam Hoger when I went, when I, when I trained at Pat Militich's gym and, uh, he got the better of me then. Ooh, and he, yeah, so he his caught confidence me. had to be high. Yeah, it was really high. So he had the experience of knowing that he already went against me. And, I, and, and he submitted me. And, and, and here's the thing about it. At the time, I was a little tired. But at the end of the day, you can't really – you like if you if you take a whooping in practice, you just got to own it. Like that's the best thing for a whooping in practice. Like there's been many times I got beat by guys who are absolutely trash. But the the, the more I accept it, the better I'm able to get over it and then come back better the next day. So Sam took it to me that damn practice. So going into this fight, he had that on his mind. Wow. So you're 26 years old. You're 6-0 and right off the tough championship. Holger is 25 years old. He's 6-1. and He had lost to Stefan Bonner as his only pro defeat, and he was an alumni of the Ultimate Fighter Season 1, having defeated Bobby Southworth on that finale card. Uh, he's 6'3". You're 5'11". He's got a five-inch reach advantage. Uh, Rashad, another another mountain to climb here. Another big yeah. man. Like the tough season all over again. Yeah, it was, man. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, he was a big guy. But coming from where I was coming from, he just seemed like a pretty good size for me. You know, he didn't really seem to be that big. But he did have a, a build that gave me kind of problem because, you know, when guys are built like Sam, like he's just – he was long and kind of lanky and he wasn't really – like physically strong, but he had a lanky kind of strength that made him very difficult and, and kind of and kind of dangerous to deal with for me at the time. All right, here's some sound heading into this fight. I'm anticipating probably a submission if we go to the ground, assuming we go to the ground. But if we don't go to the ground standing up, hopefully I'll be able to finish him with a knockout. Sam Hoger rocking the goatee, the, the, the sprout of hair on the, on the edge of the point of his chin. I think I had that in 98, and I'll just remind everyone, I was not touching any women in 1998 while I employed that. Let's, I don't know much about Sam Hoger, but uh, here's Rashad on his opponent that night. Whoa, whoa, hang in there. He's slick on the ground. He's got some craftiness on the ground, but at the same time, I think that I can neutralize him with uh, some... Uh... Oh, well, sound cut out there, but Rashad... Um, no mention on the broadcast that you guys had sparred, that, that you know each other, that there's history there. I mean, you're coming in as a potential, you know, mar marketable fighter for UFC's fresh off that victory. They are, though, on the broadcast, very much replaying your narrative from tough that coming in, you were one of the guys that they thought would be the worst. Each step of the way, you, you won them over. You had the big feud with Coach Matt Hughes. So I wonder what UFC's opinion was of you at that time whether they I mean no one knows you're going to become a champion in the Hall of Famer well I don't think it was really that high and I can kind of tell when I re-watch the broadcast and I can kind of hear the remarks that Joe Rogan makes and those guys make you know they, they don't really give me a lot of credit for anything really except for being athletic and explosive you know that was that was pretty much the narrative on my skill set at that point I only won because I was explosive and athletic. It was nothing to do with my any skill. It was just athletic and explosive. <laughs> well, we start round one. We touch gloves. Hoger, very confident, gangly. You heard what he said about his skills on the ground game. He thinks he can expose you and submit you. Now we know there was a little bit of a backstory of him having handled you. And Rashad, just 12 seconds into this fight. Wow. 
Oh, oh slip to the side of the head. Oh, there's the high kick, Joe. I Rashad think... looks very good slimmed down at 205. Much more natural weight for Rashad. Yes, yeah. I like the way he grabbed that leg. Well, while Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg were, were – we're a big fan of you slimming down. Uh, I think you got stocked and slapped off the start of this fight, Rashad. What happened? <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, Sam, Sam kind of surprised me a little bit because he came out a little bit aggressive and uh, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And here's the thing about it. Like, so back in the day, I didn't, I didn't have, I, I wasn't able to see because I, I used to have to wear uh, glasses, but I, I would wear contacts. But when I wear contacts, they would, they would disrupt me so I wouldn't be able to, like if, if I was fighting and they got knocked out, I would totally uh, lose my focus and try to find my contact and lose my mind off the fight. So I was like, you know what, for this fight, I'm not going to wear any contacts. So I go into the fight and I can't see Sam as good as I like to see him. So the range is kind of off. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> well, he woke you up with, is that when you're in the, when you're in a fight and a guy slapped you and it's not, you know, Nick Diaz, uh, is is that like a disrespect thing? Are you like, did he just bitch slap me? Like, yeah, I mean, it it is, it is, it is. You you get you get mad about it, and it's kind of at that point you're like, oh, that's how we plan it, and then you kind of want to just like you want to get your hit back, and and sometimes when you want to get your hit back, you think about your hit so much you're not thinking about your defense at all, and that's when you're open. Well, he followed up that slap with a kick attempt, as you heard on that call. You take him down with ease. But what began a theme for this fight, referee Mario Yamasaki standing you up fairly quickly. Um, would you say that your rawness, you could take people down. You're a Michigan State decorated wrestler, but you, it wasn't there yet to, to be able to get guys in position to either ground and pound or submit them. Or was Hoger just, just defensively sound on that? Well, yeah, I, it, it was it was a bit of that. It was a lot of, um, you know, I was really raw on the ground, but at the same time, Sam Hoger was really, really good on the ground. Like he was a really good uh, jujitsu practi- uh, practitioner. Even now, he's he was he's really good. Um, so, like, what I did wrong was I kept kept my hands on the mat, and because when I started to punch, I started from my hands being on the mat. About time I returned him and got to a position to punch it, he was able to re-grab my arms again and gum him up again. And that's when I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand where I needed to have my, man, my hands in correlation to being able to punch and posture and inflict damage. All right. Well, you got up after the stand-up, and you started to let your hands go. And this was the Rashad that we saw mature during the end of that ultimate fighter season, you land a, a two, three piece, uh, maybe four on him. Teeing off with strikes with Rashad Evans. Caught Hogan on a couple of occasions there. Nice right hands by Rashad. And uh, also very good takedown defense. Look how explosive Rashad is at 205. And, and he was more explosive, even as an undersized heavyweight, than perhaps a Brad Imes. But he's very, very explosive, able to be in total control at this weight, Joe. Yeah, his- Mike, a big fan of your body at 205 throughout this entire broadcast. We start to get in a good rhythm, it seemed, here in round one, and that leads to more takedowns. Um, I feel like this was the easiest I've ever seen you take a fighter down. It was like anytime you shoot, this guy's on his back, Rashad. Yeah, it was, man. Like, like it's weird because like now guys fight it a little bit, but back then it, it was kind of weird. He, he played the jiu-jitsu game so much, and that's why he was so good off his back because – in those days, guys were winning fights off their back. So, so 
back then there was a, a heavy influence to get guys to get in your guard and then play, you know, the, the, the shooting triangle game or catch him in some kind of Kimura off the back or whatnot. So he had a pretty good off the bottom game. So that's why he was so easy to take down. You took him down two more times in that final minute, which seemed to secure the round. And then a little little uh, wildness in the end when you lose your mouthpiece. Mario Yamasaki is going to break him up and replace the mouthpiece of Rashad Evans. <laughs> yeah, he, he caught me with a shot. Here we go. Get right back in his mouth. Absolutely. No, I don't no need ribs. any water. Ten-second rule, just like you do with your kids. Candy's not. Julian, really get down there ten seconds. Nice left. Now, uh, Mike, it's called the five-second rule. Okay, I don't know where you're from, but, uh, <laughs> you know, something right. hits the ground, you can blow it off after five seconds. Ten seconds, you got a little bit of cooties on there. Rashad, <laughs> you put that mouthpiece right back in, and you were ready to go. Yeah, I was, man, because here's the thing, man. He At that point, he caught me with a punch. And at that point, I was, like, halfway, like, a little bit like, okay, you know, when you get caught with a pretty good – Good, good punch it gives a nice zing to you and at the same time i was mad that he caught me with it so i'm just like oh okay this was song okay uh, let's get it let's get it well it's key because this fight ended up being very close on the scorecards how did you feel after round one it seemed to me like that's a clear rashad round i felt good i felt like that was going to be all day i felt like he really didn't have anything for me on his feet you know uh he kept backing up i, I was i was kind of careful was he was a little bit rangy but that's why i kept uh in his face and i didn't give him any space well, he did start to show a little bit of striking to start round two. Sam Holger comes out swinging. Big knee to the face as you sort of change levels. And then he comes back. I'm sorry, knee to the, to the midsection. And then he comes back with an elbow to the face. I don't know, Rashad. It looked like you, you, were, uh, you, were, you weren't hurt, but you, were, you, you felt it. You felt it. You knew he was there. Yeah, I, I did felt it because that knee just kind of slipped up out of nowhere. That knee just kind of like just shot up. And, and at that point... I was like, uh, you know, because once sometimes when you get in a fight, you get an autopilot because it just gets so good and you get into your groove. And the way I fight, I fight with a rhythm. So when you fight with a rhythm, you just start to just get into your rhythm. And then when something comes and disrupts it, it becomes like, oh, I got I to gotta watch out for that. Well, that, that woke you up. You land an instant takedown. Yamasaki stands you up quick as you were unable to really get any ground to pound going. You start to mix in some shots a minute in, landed some more punches, and then it's all level change takedown, level change takedown. And you kind of close this off entering the final minute of the round with a giant slam. Rashad, at this point, I'm like, he's about to be up 2 nothing. I mean, you're slamming this six foot three fella. And then you get into a little bit of trouble in the final 10 seconds of the round. What we see in Rashad is a very explosive athlete. He's got very quick punches and excellent takedowns, good ground control. What he's missing is a submission game. That's what he's missing. He's missing passing and submitting. Now that's what he's working on in Albuquerque every day with Greg Jackson. And a great camp work on it. Kimura, Kimura by Sam Hubbard. It's deep. All right, he's got full guard. Not much time. Not much time at all. Will he get it before the He might get it. He might get it. No, he has to. We will be back. Moving back oh, after this. Man. Scott, that oh, was legitimately man. dramatic there. Ten seconds. You're holding on for dear life. I was. And, and it was really the first time that um, – I, I really like got scared, scared in the fight because it, it, it felt like I was in control. And that's the weird thing about a submission. Like you don't, you don't really feel like you've lost position. And I feel like it's really getting bad until it's already too late. 
And that's what I was already start, I was feeling like, oh man, it's already getting to the point where it's too late for me to save myself. And then that horn sounded and I was like, yes. <laughs> well, look, they, they were kind of laying in the criticism there about, look, Rashad's taking this guy down at will, but doesn't have the, the experience yet to be able to do anything with it. And then he slips you right in that. So it's sort of doubled down on that. Um, that had to be enough to, to take the round, which is kind of crazy because Holger lands some strikes in that opening minute that we talked about, but you just dominated the rest of that round. Slam, takedown, slam, takedown, two-piece. You think the judges were able to give him just for that one moment there, that 10 seconds? I honestly, I honestly don't see that like being um... – a reason why they can give him the whole round. I mean, he, he was able to see the thing about it was it wasn't even, he wasn't even able to clear position totally and show control because at the time when he was gaining position, this, the, the bell rang. I can understand if he ended the round as if like he was working on at Kimura and like five seconds left, then, you know, then I was able to, uh, then, then they, they sounded the bell. But at that point, it was still too much too early to say how dangerous it was or not. Only I know. Only I can tell you right now how scared I was. They don't know that. They're not in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How many more seconds would he have needed to either get the tap or the snap? I don't it all depends on how things how much room I would have got after I rolled over. I, I I tell you I rolled over because I got scared. And when you get when you have to roll over, that's when you get scared. But a lot can happen in that transition. Like when I hop over, he still has to follow me. And if he doesn't follow me smoothly and I and there's any room, then I'm gonna squirm out. At this point in your career, what's your mindset on that whole idea, tap or snap? Because it's almost like a point of pride for the great Brazilian jujutsus out there who are like, you, you know, go ahead, break that. I'm still fighting. You know what I mean? Would you have, would you have succumbed and tapped? I mean, is that a responsible mindset to be like, I don't care if you break my arm. I'm not tapping. I'm not, I wasn't going to tap. I wasn't gonna, he was going to have to break it because at, at that point it was just like, it, it was just so ingrained in my mind that, that I couldn't lose, you know, and I didn't believe even when I was in that position that I was going to lose. So I, I just would have, un, I, I would probably let it snap. Oh, wow. wow. All right. We head into round three. It's going to, as we said, it's the judges could have been split entering here. Sam Holger, you got to give him a little bit of credit here. Head kick off the start. Oh my Rashad, gosh. You eat it. Oh my God. But your right eye is not only swollen, <laughs> but I don't know if it's from your nose, but. That seemed to rock you straight up. I know you got the takedown immediately after, which is full credit to you. How hurt were you from that kick? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I've fought in a lot of fights, and that was the first time that I've ever instantly felt pain in the fight. Like at that moment, it wasn't like I'm going to wait until later on. This is going to hurt later on. It felt instantly. It hit me, and it hit like a nerve that went all the way down my to my feet, and then like, all into my head and it just kind of like it stunk it froze me it froze me to to a point where i just reached and grabbed them and and when i grabbed them and i was able to get them down i just held on them for dear life because i'm just like what in the hell was that <laughs> well, i thought i because you know i couldn't see like I, I remember i said i really couldn't see my vision was impaired so i seen a jab come and then i pulled back and then i didn't see the kick at all and then only the last thing I seen was a referee in the corner of my eye. 
So at that point, I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> did, did, did the referee hit me? You know, did the referee, did, did, is the referee jumping in on this or what? <laughs> this, is like, this is why I love going through this journey because we're literally watching you grow as a fighter, not only overcoming some of your lack of experience, really. I mean, to, to have the layers of, of knowing how to move this position into here or get out of this, you're just learning on the job. And then here you're legitimately hurt, yet to your credit. You're continuously taking him down. You're able to neutralize that pain. You're able to, despite the swelling and the bleeding, but what would become a potential problem on the scorecards, you're just unable to do anything when you take him down, and Yamasaki's standing you up at will. Do you feel like all of those stand-ups were fair? Uh, no, because I felt like they didn't give me a chance to work. I felt like if, if, if it was nowadays, you know, you have guys like Habib who implement a game like mine and, 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 uh, and, and now they would be more a little bit lenient to it because with a guy who's so good on the ground, it's really hard to have the instant kind of success once you take the guy down and start passing his guard because the guy's good. Like he's been training to not allow you to do that. So how are you going to expect immediate results when you get on the ground? You know, it's kind of unfair. All right. We entered this last couple of minutes. Fight feels like it's up for grab. Some good scrambles by you, but Holger slips in one more knee to the face and it seemed to hit you directly in that swollen right eye. Oh, nice knee. Rashad is entertaining. Closing up. Straight kicks. Those kicks, yeah, a definitive advantage for Holger. That one kick, the shin that landed to Rashad's eye is causing him to swell up. Then again, Rashad gets the takedown again. That's the story of the fight. You get hurt, you take him down. Hoger sweeps, he takes your back, you get back to the feet, and you take him down one more time before being stood up with just a couple seconds to go. We hit the bell, the horn to end the fight. Rashad, what is your confidence level? Because that third round, you know, you scored a lot of takedowns, but you really didn't hurt him at all. He seemed to hurt you twice. Did you feel like it could be two to one Hoger on the scorecard? Um, I felt I felt like I won, but I, I felt at the same time it it felt as if like it was a lot closer than it was and, and, and primarily because I was hurt. Whenever you actually get hurt in a fight, it, it actually weighs on your mind, like, did you actually lose? Because, you know, when you, when you don't get hurt, you're like, yeah, I won. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even hurting or nothing. I don't have a bruise. But when you, when, you know, when, when you're walking out the fight and you're the one with the bigger bruise and you feel like and you, and you supposedly want to fight, that doesn't feel good, you know? Um, I was just more or less just disappointed because I didn't see the kick. I didn't even see it. And it, and it scared me because it was like, wow, I think I'm so good. But yet, I didn't even see that kick. That is, that's interesting. Wow. We head to the judges' scorecards. Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds of action, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. Ralph Parada scores about 29-28. Ogre. Len Trowbridge scores about 29-28. Rashad. And Marcos Rosales scores the contest 30-27 for the winner by split decision, Rashad! Oh, my God. First of all, right, I, I got issues here. All right? Woo! I don't have issues with you winning the fight. I got issues with you winning 30-27 to 27 in a fight that, especially that third round, he busted you up. Oh my gosh, you got a you got a problem with that? Well, I have a problem with the split decision. That should not have been a split decision. I mean, listen, he did catch me with the Kimura and he did catch me with the kick, but it was a fight of 15 minutes. He did two moves, 
He did two moves in that's 15 fair, minutes. That's fair. That's fair. That, like, I wondered that first judge, though. He, he definitely scored that Kimura. Uh, no. Now, here's the deal. You win. This is a big win. You're in a co-main event spot. You're the tough champion. You back it up. You show toughness. But that narrative of Rashad doesn't finish fighters, it's, it's ramping back up. How happy, relieved, angry. What's your mindset? Because we did not get a post-fight interview because your fight had gone the distance. The broadcast was running long. They came right back with Bonner Jardine after commercial. What's your mindset after this win? Um, I, felt, I felt like I, I lost the fight, to be honest, because it wasn't like even, even speaking to like Dana and those guys afterwards, like they were kind of like, yeah, you won, but you know, you should have finished them or, 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 it just, you know, he did catch you and look at your eye. It was, you know, they didn't say look at your eye, but you know, it, it, it wasn't as if like they were really happy with my performance to be honest. Hey, Hey, hey Dana, Holger ain't bad. <laughs> all right. He wasn't all, no, he wasn't bad at all. All right. Well, what, to, to close the book on Sam Holger, a year later, he would make his final UFC appearance. Losing a decision to Lyoto Machida at UFC 67, he would fight five more times going four and one in smaller organizations, mm. including the IFL, eventually retiring in 2010. Rashad, he's 39 years old, still living, the native of Baton Rouge, the Alaskan assassin. Have you ever had any contact again with Sam Holger? Uh, no, I have not. You know, I've seen him uh, one time at a fight, and I think he was like, he, he was working with some fighters. I think he became like a... Uh, um, a jujitsu coach and he was also doing like some law enforcement I believe but he got he got a lot bigger like now he's like a bigger guy like he's I don't know like when I seen him he was probably about 240 big guy interesting all right yeah. well you get the victory and we talk about four fights in 294 days here less than a year this second fight is not even three months later Rashad it was April 6th you beat Sam Hoger June 28th you've got a date with Stefan Bonner now Talk to me about what was the perception of Bonner at this point. Now, I know he's a UFC Hall of Famer, but to be honest, he, he's a journeyman brawler and we love him. He's a Hall of Famer because of his importance to the company, that first fight with Forrest Griffin, ultimate fighter one. We all know that great story. But he hadn't piled up too many losses at this point. What was your mindset and idea of how tough Bonner was going to be at 10-2 and two entering this fight? Well, I mean, he, he was, you know, he, he was the, uh, you know, he was Forrest's equal, you know, and, and anything in respect you extended to Forrest, you really had to extend to, to Stefan Bonner because, you know, there were some people who scored a fight and, and, they, and they, could, they scored it for Stefan. So there, there was this extension of respect that was given to, to Stefan and there was a lot of hype given to him being the, the potential that he had because of the fact that, you know, he had the... Um, the technical skills, but more importantly, he had a, a, a dog in him that you rarely see and yes. a mentality that, that was just a, um, a promoter's dream because he was a fighter's fighter. He was 29 years old entering this fight. 10-2, and two, like I mentioned, the one loss to Forrest Griffin, which could have gone either way. He had an earlier loss to Leota Machida when he was stopped under the jungle fight banner in Brazil, and he was fresh off wins over Sam Hoger. He submitted James Irvin and then took a unanimous decision on that same card that you fought Hoger against Keith Jardine. So he's coming then there. I mean, to be honest, this may have been the, the peak point of his career from a, from a marketing standpoint, from the idea of, is this guy a future title contender? Now, I know he 
he and he went on to fight Anderson Silva and fail a steroid test. We love some Stephen Bonner on this on this part, but this is a legitimate test for young Rashad. I don't even I don't have the odds in front of me, but I could see easily favoring Stephen Bonner entering into this. Yeah, it was uh, favoring Stephen Bonner. You know he. Um... You know, he, he, was, he was training with Andre Olowski, and he was also training with Duke Rufus, and he, he had the more, um, the more together camp and the more together system and the more together just, just approach to the sport in general than I did at the time. And, um, yeah, go, going into it, you know, I was looked at as someone that he was going to, you know, showcase on. And, and I looked at it as like, oh, they, they think that, I'm that guy, you know, I felt as if like they, they felt like Rashad is good and Rashad is tough, but he's just not, you know, he may never be at that level, but we got Stefan Bonner and it'd be good because it'd be a dog fight and it'd be a good showcase for Stefan Bonner. That's what I felt going into the fight. Or at least that's what Greg Jackson told me every yes. day. <laughs> fire you the heck up. This was back at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Vegas. Ultimate, Ultimate Fight Night 5 headlined, of course, and we've talked about this in the past on this show, by Chris Lieben against Anderson Silva. Oh, my Spiders gosh. UFC debut. Uh, it didn't take him, what, but what, 49 seconds to dismantle Lieben. You're in the co-main event spot. Yeah. Featured and- fight is Jorge, uh, George Gurgel against Mark Hominick. You got uh, Luke Kumo on this card, your, your uh, ultimate fighter housemate, a little bit of a weirdo. Uh, Josh Koshek, John Fitch buried on this undercard. But uh, this was, um, I remember, you know, the hype ahead of Anderson Silva, obviously coming was big. So this was a pretty big night. I mean, it's a fight night card, but you're, you're positioned in a big spot. This is sink or swim time in so many ways for the potential of Rashad Evans. So I was fired up to watch it. It is, you know, for me, um, you know, for me, this was my main event, even though I was co-main event, but this was my main event because nobody really knew Anderson Silva was, and he was coming in with all this hype. And for me, I'm like, you know, I, I watched a few videos Anderson, Anderson at the time, but I didn't see anything spectacular, to be honest. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's doing pretty good, but I feel like I should be in the spot. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use this fight to show them that this is my spot and I should always yes. be in, in the main event. So I went out there with a little chip on my shoulder and um, I kind of, I kind of, I didn't understand how of a bad man Anderson Silva was going to be and, and is and was until I got to share a locker room that day. Ooh. And I shared a locker room with him that day and I've never seen a fighter warm up or prepare for a fight the way I see Anderson Silva prepare for a fight. They, like you see fighters and, you know, they, they slapping themselves up. They get nervous. They're throwing up, whatever. Like you see all kinds of different things that people do to get ready to go and make that walk and get into the cage, you know, because it takes a lot inside you to do that. But Anderson Silva was something different. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm in full fight mode because in my mind, like I told you where my mind was at, I should be number one. So I'm about to go in there and I'm about to show everybody that I'm going to destroy the ultimate fighter because that's what they're, they're referred to as him and Steph, uh, Forrest Griffin and Steph Miner, they're referred to as the ultimate fighters. So I was like, I'm going to destroy these guys. So I, um, I had that chip on my shoulder and I look over and Anderson Silva is cool as a cucumber. Like oh, yeah. this. Super cool, super relaxed. Hey, uh, you know, 
we're just talking and you know I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, and then and then here's a kicker. Anderson lays down and he's sleeping the whole time while I'm warming up. And I'm just like, is this dude even going to warm up? They had to wake him up to wrap his hands. He wraps his hands. He goes back and he lays back down. And he just got, he's like knocked out sleep. And I'm just like, this is absolutely amazing. Like You go back and watch that fight, man. He's basically dancing. Yes, yes. So Shots and just moving. Oh, all right. So here's the, set the stage for this Bonner fight. Here's a little sound heading in. Sam Hover, he was a tough fight. That's what you need because you're going to be, you're going to meet that adversity, you know, in your, in your fights. Rashad's a tough guy and I'm ready for him. I'm ready to destroy him. The last fight, uh, it was a close one with Jardine. I guess I'm kind of like Rashad. I have close fights, too. To beat him, you have to just get down and just get, you know, get get on his level. fight stays on its feet, then, you know, I'm going to knock him out. But if the fight goes to the ground, I'm going to submit him. I really haven't shown what I can do on the ground. You know, I may look like I may not be able to do anything, but I may got a few surprises. Coming up next, Rashad Evans takes on the American psycho, Stephen Bonner. Uh, Rashad, this is another huge opponent. You're 5'11". Yeah. He's 6'4", with a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage here. Uh, and a lot of experience. But uh, we talked about, you You said in that sound, you'd have a surprise. Once again, your opponent had a surprise. It wasn't Sam Hoger giving you the Stockton slap off the start. But you touch gloves, and like two seconds later, Stefan Bonner's doing a step-in axe kick that hits you on the shoulder. Dude, that would have been lights out if that thing connected. It would have been because I didn't see it coming once again, and it was kind of like one of those things like, oh, I got I gots to be more careful, you know, because it just, it just came out of nowhere. But um, I kind of expected Stefan to kind of do something – a little bit zany because that's the way he kind of, that's his fighting style. And when he fought Keith Jardine, he did some like some craziness too in that fight. Yeah. He did a little craziness against Anderson Silva and got caught big time. <laughs> well, give him credit. He was well tanned and well abbed up for that. Fight. He was, yeah. he really was. All right, let's get into this fight. He, he misses with that X kick, hits you in the shoulder. You landed an instant takedown in the first minute, but they're standing you up quick. That's the theme here. Another big takedown, this time with a slam at the halfway point. No one really landing anything. You catch a kick attempt, and you slam him one more time, and then you start to get in some ground and pound. It seemed like you had an easier time transitioning from takedown to offense against Bonner than you did against Sam Hogan. Yeah, um, because what what made it easier because uh, with, with Bonner, you know, I didn't I didn't want to stand up with him at all while he was fresh, you know, because he he was such a good boxer, and that and that's the thing about Stephen Box Bonner, he had really really good boxing and he had really good uh, clean kick uh, kickboxing as well too. So I knew I was outmatched in in the uh, the the stand up department. So whenever it got to the point where it was going to be we're going to have to exchange. I really, really fought as hard as I could to make sure that I was going to make him either contest every takedown and get tired, or I was going to get him down. Interesting. So you, you got him down, you land your first successful ground and pound, but then you let him up, which was, which I thought was interesting. Maybe you didn't have the best position, but that led to a big turning point in this first round. You score another monster slam. Nice inside leg take by Stefan Bonner and a big slam. Taking Stephen Bonner down at will is Rashad. You see, what he did there, though, 
he slammed him and he went right into half guard. Instead of like the jujitsu instinct, just to pass immediately to get to a dominant position, he allowed himself to fall right into a bad spot. Is Joe is Joe being fair there? That what that that I'm I'm so when when he said that I'm allowing myself to fall in a spot and stand in half guard position instead of trying to get to pass or get full or or well, side or well I mean in those days that's what he he thought like that's what you taught you taught you know you pass the guard and you get in side control and stuff like that but back then Greg was teaching us something different and now you see it more like guys with Cain Velasquez and they stay inside of half guard. And it's actually a better position to do ground and pound for, you know, because once you're inside position, you're, you're constantly playing that game of balance and him trying to pop you up. But when you're in half guard, you you have an anchor and he's always trying to, he's trying to go into you to gain position. So he has to go into your punches. You know what I'm saying? He puts himself in a way of going into your punches versus you trying to hold him and then trying to land punches, you know? It's it's clear that Joe is uh, not upset, maybe disappointed. He feels like you should be able to do more. He followed it up with a quote. Rashad had an excellent opportunity to be in a dominant position there, but he kind of squandered it a little. Rashad, I didn't know if you could hear him because you responded to that comment with one more slam that ended with you landing some Fedor-style ground and pound that left Bonner bloody. You finally had your breakthrough moment there in the final minute. What went on for you to finally be able to start landing? Um, I just, at that point, like, as the fight went on, I just felt like Bonner was getting more and more frustrated. You know, Bonner's a very emotional part fighter, and I knew if I engaged him on an emotional level, then he'll lose his cool. And that's what you see happening, and that's why I, I, I stood up. And I knew I can take him down because he was getting really aggressive. And when guys get over aggressive, they get mad. It's easier to take them down because they're swinging with more rage. So that's what made it easier for me to get him down. And the more I took him down, I was just hearing him. He was like, he was grunting, like he was, he was making sounds and I can hear him getting frustrated. So I just kept on doing what I was doing to him. Well, you, it's clear that you dominated this round. We know a slam uh, you know, can physically hurt, if not sometimes knock out if a fighter hits the back of their head on the way down. Does it take a lot out of the person doing the slam, though? Because it's about four recorded slams in this round for you. No, not if you do it right. If you do it right, their body hits first, and that's what you want to do. Sometimes if you don't slam them right and you want to slam them too hard, you can actually make your body take the impact first before theirs hit the ground. And that's when you see guys get knocked out. Well, you hit one more slam in the closing seconds to really put the exclamation point on round one. Well, let's see if Bonner can engage it all. Right now, Rashad Evans is imposing his will on Stephen Bonner. And Bonner really, if you looked at the if, if you looked at the breakdown coming into tonight, was the more versatile striker. But round one clearly belongs to Rashad Evans. Efficient throw. You can Let's hear. take a look at some of that action from that first round. There's Rashad's fiance. Look at this big slam by Rashad. <laughs> Up and boom. And you could hear the thud, and they flash to the crowd, and the Rashad Evans family is going sick. We got to find out who these people are. The lower third says Latoya Brown fiance, and she's yeah. fired the heck up. Who is the woman next to her? That was my sister. That was my ex wife and my sister, and they used to go crazy. Look, my ex wife would get to the point where. 
it's like she was the kind of woman like if I was in a fight, she was jumping in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, like it, they would have to go to her before the fights and be like and get security around her to be like, listen, you know, because she'll get to the point where she'll get crazy. She'll get crazy. She will fight. <laughs> Shout out to Latoya Brown on that. There was one more fella, a tall, gangly-looking white guy. I got to be honest, he looks a lot like our podcast producer, Mikey Moormile. <laughs> Who is that yeah. fella? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. That guy, um, that guy was my brother-in-law. That guy was my brother-in-law. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he was down for the cause too, man. Really All right. Shout out to Team Evans there. It's clearly a 10-9 round. We get into round two. You land a nice right hand, but Bonner's crafty. Couple knees start to leak to leak in on you. You land another takedown, maybe a little, little bit of a slam there, but then you eat a spinning sidekick. This is like Dennis Seaver style to the gut. How much did that take out of you? Because this is the beginning of Bonner starting to assert himself. Um, it, it didn't really hurt me too much because I was going into it and it kind of like almost missed me. But I was I was I was prepared for the spinning attacks and I thought he was going to do a lot more because that's what he would do with uh, with, with Forrest. But we trained it and he did a lot with uh, Jardine as well, too. So whenever he spin, spun, I was supposed to just dart in every single time, just dart in and not give him not give him any ground at all to make space. Uh, that was really all for the end of the second round for Bonner's offense. The announced team assumed you were hurt. Replays after, like you mentioned, show that the kick didn't really land flush. You get another takedown with 90 seconds to go, but I'm starting to see some deep breaths happening. Is Rashad, where's your gas tank at this point at the end of round two in the overall scheme of your career at 7-0? and um, it's, it's, it's getting tested pretty well, you know, because, um, you know, I, I, I wrestle a lot, but – to take somebody down like that in a fight, like that's a lot of takedowns. I don't even know how many times it took him down, but it was it was a lot of takedowns. To take somebody down that many times in a wrestling match, which is only six minutes, would be a lot. So I'm already 10 minutes in the hole taking this dude down like it, it's my job. You know, well, it is my job, but taking him down like it's my business. And uh I was getting it was getting to me. All right, round two ends. I got it, 2 nothing, Rashad, and we mentioned your cheering section going nuts. Here's a little clip. There is Stefan Bonner's brother, Brent, in attendance here tonight. <laughs> Rashad Evans. Crazy. No question, Rashad Evans, Latoya Brown, Rashad Evans' fiance. He is fired up. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see a fight between Stefan's brother and Rashad's fiance. Watch out for the knee when you Ah, Latoya going sick right there. She was going, she was going crazy. She was going to hurt somebody. Uh, I don't know what what became of Stephen Stephen Bonner's brother there, but that dude looked like he was like the bassist for like uh, Eve Six or something. That guy looked like he was either going to be getting me high or maybe removing my organs. (laughs) Yeah, he looked intense. (laughs) Rogan closes the round by saying, "I think so far Rashad is winning this fight. I had to believe that too, Rashad. We go to round three. Another big slam, 30 seconds into it. You're getting some good grounded pound at the halfway mark. You pass to side guard for the first time. You're landing shots. Suddenly, you're winning Joe Rogan over. Speaking of dominant, are you surprised at how dominant Rashad has been? Rashad's explosive. I mean, he's a difficult dude to hold on to. He's very fast, <laughs> very quick on his feet. And he's got a, lot, a tremendous amount of heart. I mean, that heart was doubted by, you know, some people after that first fight in the Ultimate Fighter. They thought he was showboating, but 
you know what, man? You know, first time in the octagon, even on the Ultimate Fighter, people make mistakes and do something wrong. And he has proven himself to be quite a warrior since then. Oh, come on. Jump the Matt Hughes stuff. Hey, he's... Yo, Joe, you turned Joe around in this fight. Yeah, I mean, he's slowly starting to turn. But even though, I mean, he's, he's, he's giving me props, but he's still not giving me props on a technical level yet. You know, he's still saying that he's still saying that I'm beating these guys who are technically skilled just on physicality. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, no, these guys are bigger than me. Well, Goldie loves your body. He thinks it's a wonderland. <laughs> and every turn, Goldie brings back that Mad Hughes story like, like it's going oh on his style. Just a reminder, Rashad's a little bit of a showboater, and Matt Hughes didn't like it. All right, the horn hits. Rashad, rewatching this, I'm like, you just kicked the crap out of Stefan Bonner. He had that sidekick. He had a couple sneaky knees, but it was like 10 to nothing on takedowns at least. You slammed the crap out of him. I thought it's 30-27 on all three, but we go to the scorecards. Here's Bruce Buffer. Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds of action, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. Nelson Hamilton scores the contest 30-27. Okay. Cecil People scores it 29-28. All right. And Dolby Shirley scores the bout 29-29 for the winner. Hey, this- By majority decision, Rashad. Shout out to Latoya right there. Uh, It's 2006. That's Dalby Shirley, the third judge, who at that point was an old-as-dirt veteran boxing uh, official. Yeah. That's where we were at. Some people think we're still there in 2020 where we have too many recycled boxing guys (laughs) that don't have an MMA background. This was 14 years ago. What the hell was Dalby Shirley watching scoring that 29-29? I don't know, and and that and that's the thing. Like it, you, like it, it was. If you watch that fight, it was my pressure the whole time. My pressure, 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 pressure. The guy didn't have any really bright spots in the whole entire fight, and maybe he scored like that because I didn't uh, stand and engage with him for too long. I don't know what it was, but we we are removed from that extreme in some extent. But at the same time, we're really not. To be honest, you know what I'm saying. We're really not. It was just. It's just that was just bad judging. Yeah, straight up. Uh, let's go to the post-fight interview with Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans with Joe Rogan. All right, I'm here with the winner, Rashad Evans. Rashad, congratulations. You had a look on your face. One judge ruled it a draw. Was that was that surprising to you? Yeah, it was surprising. Um, I felt I pretty much dominated. Maybe slowed up in the second round, but I thought I had it all the way through. Yeah, I thought so as well. Do you, it seemed to be a case of just too explosive, too fast, too much athleticism. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that after. The first minute or so, I was able to get his timing down. So I was able to shoot whenever he took that heavy step. That's what I was looking for. All right, take a look at the replay right now. I was just trying to get around his butt. So when I picked him up and slammed him, he didn't catch me in the guillotine and try to make it hurt a little bit too and look pretty. Well, you did a great job of avoiding any submission attempts and dominating all the action. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing you again. Rashad Evans, ladies Woo-hoo! and gentlemen. All right, two things from that, Rashad. One. What's with the, like, Mike Tyson voice coming out of you right there? I mean, I think I feel like to shout back to your uh, impression. Uh, <laughs> and number two, Joe just can't give you the credit. Well, Rashad, you were just more athletic than him. At the <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. I, you know, I think, I think I, the, the Mike Tyson came out of me because 
I watch a lot of Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? So after a while, I just got, you know, my first, it just started, it just started flowing, you know? But yeah, I, you know what I think it was with Joe? I think it was like, like they, you know, because they, 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 they really had a lot of endearment for Stefan Bonner and those guys, you know, and to Finisher. see. They still, yeah. they still get drunk for finishers today. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, I mean, there's bonuses built in for that kind of thing. Right, right. So that's that's what it was, you know. It took a long time for me to win Joe over. Long time. Well, it didn't take you a long time to become a finisher, but this was the last fight on that narrative that we talked about. And mind you, look, Stefan Bonner doesn't get finished that often. So uh, it's not like, you know, and this was the toughest fight of your career. Uh, how much were you still hearing or maybe even your inner self with insecurity saying, Am I that badass? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm an 8 and 0. I'm under or I'm 7 and 0, whatever. I'm undefeated, but it's going to the cards every single time. I'm like prime GSP right now. Um it it started to get to me to be honest. You know, I I tried to not let it get to me, but uh the more I had to answer questions about it, um it started to play into my mind because, you know, as I fight and the longer the fight goes, you know, I start it started to play in my mind like, "Oh man, dude, how much risk do I take because I don't want it to go into the cards again?" And, um, you know, when you're, when you're out there and you're fighting, you're going against a guy who's, who's trying to win too, you know? And, and it's really hard to, to risk it all in a position where if you just keep on the steady pressure, you're going to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, it just, it's, it's kind of hard when, when, when the, the result of you gambling and being wrong is an ass whooping, <laughs> you know? That's true. Uh, we, we know Bonner uh, went on to, you know, alternating wins and losses a lot to close his career. UFC Hall of Famer, a, a fun guy. We love him. What's the history of your friendship or rivalry or anything after this fight? Uh, we became buddies, man. You know, I hung out with him and partied with him a few times. Uh, realized I, I can't really party with Bonner. Bonner's on another level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bonner was always a cool guy. You know, he's one of the good guys in the sport and just a genuine guy. You know, funny Funny as heck outside, inside, you know, inside the inside the sport as well, too. You know, I think that w- when it comes to guys that I've worked with and other professional bases, I think that he had a natural ability to be an analyst, but just never really developed it. But he was actually really talented at that, too. All right. We continue this journey. These four fights bursting on the scene less than 300 days. It was not even three full months later. Is that a normal schedule for a fighter? who's young up and coming learning quickly to just keep reloading every three months. That's like cowboy Cerrone style. You know, um, when I first started, that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to have four fights a year and I wanted to stay as busy as possible. Um, I, I wanted to make some money and I wanted to, uh, I want, I had so much to prove and, and the fact that they kept on saying, you know, doubting my skill level when I knew I was good, it just made me want to fight even more. All right. Well, you get a big opportunity here. Your first pay-per-view card. It's UFC 63, the rematch. Matt Hughes defending his welterweight title against BJ Penn. September 23rd, 2006. We're going to Anaheim, California, the Arrowhead Pond. Uh, Co-main event, Mike Swick and David Loiseau. We got Melvin Gillard on there, your old tough housemate. Joe Lozon's on there. You're in the fourth position on the pay-per-view card, the second fight of that main card there, Rashad. Uh, how, how pumped up are you? And, and what are you feeling about your placement in the company now? I mean, that Bonner win, however you want to slice it, is a big deal. 
I felt I felt like this was my debut. You know, I felt like I was fighting in the little leagues before, but this is the first time I'm fighting on a big show and I'm fighting on the card with guys that I want to get their picture and autograph from. You know, I'm fighting on the card with Matt Hughes and BJ Penn. And these are the guys that I grew up watching on TV. So for me, it's just like I've arrived. It felt like I've arrived. And, you know, uh, I felt like I'm, I'm part of it felt like it was the first time I'm actually fighting in the UFC. And you are facing a guy whose name doesn't resonate a ton nowadays. But at this point, Jason Lambert was 29 years old, 22 and five, riding an eight fight win streak. He just stopped Brandon Lee Henkel, had stopped Terry Martin before that, submitted Rob McDonald. Uh, this guy was on a hell of a run. He hadn't lost in, in about five years since Chael Sonnen took a decision from him at Gladiator Challenge. His only losses before that had been to household names like Tim Sylvia, Cabbage Correa, etc. cetera. Uh, what were you thinking about this matchup here against a guy who, for the first time, is basically your size? You've got a one-inch height advantage, and you guys both have a 75-inch reach coming in. Um, I knew it was going to be a big test for me, but I felt like it was, it was a good matchup. And, and like you said, he was my size, so it allowed me to feel – really confident going into the fight because I haven't really even seen anybody my size. So to fight somebody my size, I felt, I felt confident, but at the same time, I knew that he was, um, he was very tough and he had, he had the, like an old school veteran uh, fighting style, which, which at the time was very difficult, you know, because, you know, these guys, they fought in those circuits for so long and it was before they even were even keeping records, you know? So a lot of these guys, they had fights that they, they weren't even counting because they fought on Indian reservations or without any, um, any place where they had any kind of, um, any kind of authority or any kind of, uh, commission. So, um, he was one of those guys and I knew he was tough. So I was like, you know what? I feel like my side, my, my ability to wrestle is going to come into play, but I know he's going to, I know if he, he, if I give a little bit, he's going to put the pressure on. Absolutely. And he was confident coming in. That he said, if, if he's expecting a three round grind, he's in for a rude awakening. Uh, I don't see it going towards the third round. On the ultimate fighter too. And so Mike continues to uh, play the narrative. Rashad can't finish guys, but Hey, Rashad's a growing fighter. And uh, Lambert says it's not going to go the distance. He's proven right. But here's Rashad. Yeah. After that fight. I'm just going to be thinking about putting this guy away. You know, I know I got skills. I know I'm a better fighter than he is. And I know I can put him away. Coming up next. Yeah. Bring it Mike. Uh, what was that? A, a um, rallying cry in camp with coach Jackson that, this is the fight we're going to get the knockout. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of like uh, we, we kind of thought in uh, the Bonner fight, I can get the finish, but we uh, he was definitely, you know, making it so like we're going to get the finish. And 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 he also was like um, he was also telling me at the same time, he said, don't make a big deal about it and, and don't start to worry about just getting the finish, getting the finish. He said it's going to come. He said, but you just got to keep that pressure on. As long as you keep that pressure on, you're going to get in a position and you're going to get that finish. Well, Rashad, let, uh, spoiler alert, this is the fight you became a championship contender in my mind. You beat the shit out of Jason Lambert. It started with a nice little hip toss takedown. You land some shots against the fence. You're pushing the pace. Another big slam halfway through that first round. He uh, gets a Kimura attempt on you. And a reminder, 
This is what almost got you into trouble against Sam Holger a little past the halfway point of the round. How'd you feel about your ability to slip out of that? Um, I felt really confident when, when he got me in it because it felt as if like after the whole situation happened with Sam Holger, uh, Greg Jackson drilled the dang Kimura ad nauseum to the point <laughs> where I couldn't, I couldn't get caught in it in my sleep, you know? Um, and, and it just became something I became so comfortable to. So when he did, I'm just like, he didn't have a chance. Well, not to echo the announcers, but the athleticism and explosiveness was <laughs> there, although the technique was bubbling up along with it. Let's get a little taste of that. Oh, yep. Good first round by Rashad Evans. That athleticism is just so hard to deal with. Rashad is so explosive. You, know, you kind of get the feeling with Rashad Evans, if he wanted to play football, he would have been an All-American wide receiver. If he wanted to play hoops, he would have been an All-American point guard. I mean, he's got that type of athleticism, similar to a Josh Koscheck, similar to even a Melvin Gillard, who's going much younger but going to fight here tonight. And on top of that, he's also got dedication and intelligence. Thank you. That's a Thank winning you. combination. Can we give this guy credit and stop just saying, like the other black fighters he could have been this oh my gosh but listen but that's that's but listen that's that was that that we've come a long way we've come a long way and we've come a long way on just just even the way we speak about fighters you know but as you can tell what was going on here you know what i'm saying like come on i gotta have more skill besides just being athletic I you mean, have we seen your hoops game? Could you really been an All-America point no, guard? No, I couldn't. I couldn't. It's terrible. I'm a terrible <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> Luckily, you could fight it. You put it on Jason Lambert here to start round two. This is the beginning and the end. A nice right hand. You get a low single leg takedown. Um, you are mauling this guy. Again, down he goes take again. Down. Good right solid side takedown, control. side control. And, and he's got them out. Very nice. Plenty of time to work with it here in the second round. Now, Rashad, you didn't finish him in this, but you go full mount from takedown. This is we're watching the evolution here. Yeah, um, and, and, and I felt like, uh, like I felt as if like I could have done it earlier, but at the point I was just listening to Greg, Greg, Greg Jackson. You know, just allowing the fight just to come to me and allowing the pressure be the medicine that I need to find that 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 hole to get the finish. Well, Rashad had worked on finishing and becoming that explosive guy, and you put it on good old Jason Lam- Lambert to close this off. Jason Lambert's taking some big shots. He's gone. This fight is over. Wow. Rashad wow. Evans finishes Jason Lambert in the second round. Jason had taken a couple shots earlier. Wow, Jason had taken a couple shots earlier and then finished the job. Hello, world. I do have the ability to finish. Whoa, whoa, Mike. Whoa, whoa, there. Let's, let's, let's clean that up a little bit. Um, all seriousness, Rashad, that's like, that was like a schoolyard beating at the end there. What, what does that feel like in that moment? It felt so good, man, because um, it was starting to get to me. You know, as you can tell by the narrative of Mike, you know, that was just echoing around anything Rashad Evans. Can he finish a fight? He's pretty good. He's athletic and all those things. But does he have the ability to compete with the guys at the next level? In order to do that, you got to be able to finish fights. And um, finally being able to do that, it was a graduation in a sense that I do have the ability to compete with the, the, those guys who do finish fights in dramatic fashion. And, like, look, dude, Jason Lambert was on an eight-fight win streak against names. Like, you, he didn't have a moment in this fight, Rashad. 
Right. And that, and that's another thing. Like it, it was like, um, it, it was, it wasn't, you know, it was, th- that was another thing. It's like, if, if a guy could be good, but if I beat him, then he was just like, ah, he wasn't really that good. That's what I felt like. But you know what? That's the mindset that kept me, kept me going because if that's you're not thinking like that, yeah, you gotta, you gotta think like that. It's kind of, it's paranoid and it's crazy, but if you're not thinking like that, then you're not going to be the best. You need that edge. Let's hear from Rashawn. It's Joe. All right, I'm here with the winner and star of the Ultimate Fighter, Rashawn Evans. Rashawn, this is probably your most impressive victory to date. Do you agree with that? I agree with that because I got to finish the opponent finally. And probably your most, uh, uh, probably the most difficult test to date. A lot of people thought this was going to be a tough fight for you. Yeah, Lambert's been around. He fought a lot of uh, seasoned vets in the game, and uh, he's won himself, so it was a big test for me. Talk us to the end of the fight here. Uh, I took him out. And I just started pounding away. I felt them pushing on my hips. So I was like, okay, there's nothing upstairs. So I just started pounding. And I caught him with one good shot, and I see him kind of, his eyes roll back. So I knew I had him. Now, Rashad, in your game plan, how far do you think it is between now and when you challenge for the title? Whoa! Um, you know, uh, that's a tough question, you know. I mean, it's not like it's some chunks of the title. So I want to take my time and mature my game and uh, my mindset. So when I step up to the level, I'll be ready. Well, congratulations on your continued improvement. We look forward to seeing you again. Rashad Evans, ladies and gentlemen. Rashad, I am. They're already talking title for you. I know. Narrative right here. You're 8-0, first stoppage. You got some big wins over Jardine and Bonner. But I love that you didn't even take that bait and be like, yeah, I'll tell you what. And I want Liddell. I want – no, you're like, I'm working on this thing right here. Yeah, you know, that was the thing that uh, Greg Jackson always – instilled in us you know and it was just you know be comfortable with the process and not try to rush the process and and really understand that each and every single fight has something to offer you in way of the total picture of becoming a champion you know and and I felt like when when Greg Jackson became the most famous coach it was because of the mindset that he instilled in his fighters you know he he would he would train us in a way that that you you see people in you know the marine you know the the navy seals and stuff do you know the kind of stuff where they go on missions and you know they don't you may not come back and he does he did those kind of things to us in order to make us feel that feeling of of i might not come back from here because he knew once you got comfortable with feeling that feeling of despair that that very prim prim, uh, primitive feeling of despair then there's nothing that a fight can bring to you in a way of fear. Love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I was wrong. You were 9-0 and at this point, and a little postscript on Jason Lambert. He bounced back from this loss to knock out Babalu Sobral the following year at UFC 68, winning fight of the night, knockout of the night. Unfortunately, that started a five-fight losing streak that lost him his job at UFC. He did resurface in 2013, going one-and-one in Bellator before retiring. Uh, 42 years old today, a native of Long Beach, California. Any future combat with the contact with the Punisher, Jason Lambert? No, I never talked to him again after that whole situation. I don't think he really liked me. (laughs) But I (laughs) I never talked to him again after that, to be honest. All right, we advance, Rashad, to the fourth fight, the last fight before you really began to step up, and this fight is so well-remembered because of how you finished it against Sean Salmon, but this was January 25th, 2007, about four months after the Lambert fight, UFC Fight Night 8, 
but it's your first main event opportunity. Uh, not going to lie, you're a big-time favorite heading into this fight in Hollywood, Florida. This feels like showcase all the way. Rashad's a finisher now. He's a potential future title contender. He's got a great personality. Oh, boy, is he athletic, too. Let's put him at the top of a card. What does this mean for a fighter to get this treatment at this point in your career? It, it was pretty good. You know, I felt as if, like, you know, they, they my efforts in a Stefan Bonner fight paid off, and they were finally starting to, you know, believe in me and the company. And, uh, you know, and, and even this – the. Um, even at the uh, the the um, the Jason Lambert fight, I got my first backroom bonus, and that's when the UFC used to back, go back there, and they was like the mob, you know, they come back there, they be like, oh, I don't want to talk to you, you know, they, they hook you up, you know, and and uh, you know Dana White and Lorenzo, those guys, they were really really good about that, and um, they came and they they they, uh, they hooked me up and they let me know like, yo, you go out there and you compete like that, we'll hook you up like this, so. Off the heels of that, I'm finally feeling like, okay, I got, I got the juice now. You know, I, I can do this. I got the company behind me, and they're putting me in uh, in a big, important fight because um, they're launching a new show on Spike TV. So I, I was, you know, they want to have, they want to launch, they want to have a, a UFC fight, and then keep the viewers from that to launch a new show. Like they, like what was this new show? I'm seeing it on the poster. Rampage's face is on it. I forget. I forget what it was to be honest, but it was like they were. They were. They were. They were. Um, they were it was like they were doing a piggyback, something off a of spike. I forget at the time. Yeah, the but, you know, pros versus Joes. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Pros and versus Joes. With, it, and they promised an interview with Rampage Jackson. I guess on the show or after the yes, show. Yes. Yes. You watch the eight o'clock fight night card. Ten o'clock, you move over. You get a Rampage interview. You get pros and Joes. Uh, you're the headliner, Jake O'Brien and Heath Herring in the co-main event, Hermes Franca and Spencer Fisher rounding out the main card. All three of you share the poster, you, Jake O'Brien, and Hermes Franca, but you get that center point. Do you still have that poster today, Rashad? No, I do not, man. I, I think I may have it somewhere, but I think it may be in storage, but I haven't seen it in a long time. If anybody right. has a poster, let me know. <laughs> so this is uh, Sean Salmon's uh, UFC debut. He only ends up fighting twice in the UFC, loses both fights. But he's 9-1 coming in. His only loss to David Heath the previous year under a uh, uh, Fight Fest banner in Texas. What did you know about Sean Salmon? Uh, looking back, it's easy to say he was the lamb to the slaughter. Uh, try, to, just try to argue that he's not coming into this. Yeah, he, he was, but originally I was scheduled to fight somebody else, and he came in a short short notice. I forget the guy who I was originally supposed to fight, but he came in at short notice, and uh, there was no tape on him at all. Like There was like maybe one tape on him, and it was like a really short fight. It was like a minute where he just like wrestled and took the guy down. It, it, there, was no, there was no match, uh, nothing on him. I had to resort to watching him wrestle in college to be able to just even have an idea of how he moved because there was nothing on him interesting well we can't always uh speak to wikipedia's accuracy but there is a sentence in here that originally scheduled for the main card was about between middleweights nate marquardt and dean lister that's right Spike tv influenced the eventual decision to remove the bout from the main card Oh, so the bout still happened. It was the prelim main event. Not a big deal. It doesn't say who your original opponent was. Interesting. But uh, you were at the uh, – you were 
the second highest, no, the third highest paid fighter on this card. According to Wikipedia, Rashad, you made 24K for this. But Heath Herring, who was, of course, a big-time name coming out of Pride and Hero, made 60000 for his co-main event slot. You okay with that in hindsight? That, I mean, I mean, in hindsight, in hindsight, I mean, I had to start, you have to start somewhere, you know. Yeah. And coming from where I came from, I was just getting off the Ultimate Fighter contract, so that was, that was, uh, that, actually, I was still on Ultimate Fighter contract, so that was, uh, that was good money back then. Clay Guida making five Gs on that undercard. Yikes. Um, so we said what we said about Sean Salmon. And look, if you only know this fight from the head kick knockout, you're going to assume this guy sucks. You look at his Wikipedia, you're going to say, yeah, maybe this guy sucks. Rashad, he don't suck. He don't suck. This was an interesting fight. I had no idea that he was lighting you up at times. <laughs> you, know what you're saying? you don't have the video to, to prepare oh for him. God, this know. turned out to be a little bit interesting. Let's play some sound to lead us. They <laughs> <laughs> say Rashad is the wrestler. They just get ready for me to wrestle him, and then they don't take into account that I have pretty good striking ability. <laughs> I think they take my uh, striking skills lightly, and, and I'm very happy to take my striking skills lightly. Because I got to finish the opponent finally. I let it knock somebody out all day. You know, I mean, tapping out is fun, you know, but it's nothing like the satisfaction of seeing somebody lose consciousness. Yeah. His bother in weaving isn't really going to help him defend a takedown very well. I know he's a wrestler from Ohio State, and I know a couple people who wrestled him, and I've seen some of his, his wrestling tapes, so. Uh, I got a pretty good idea of you know, what, what Sean's about. When I decide to take you down, you're going down. He's going to have a lot of a lot of pressure on him. He's just so nervous. You know, He may not be able to – he may get stage fright when he gets out there. I have a lot to prove my first time in the UFC against a, a top-notch opponent that I actually was asking for the fight. So I, I think the first part of the fight is probably going to be very exciting. I belong here in the UFC, and not only do I belong here, but I belong near the top. I feel like I can compete with anybody in the UFC in the light heavyweight uh, division. I've trained for three rounds, but this fight is not going past the first. I'm going to win this fight in the first round. I'm going to catch him with a big hit, knock him out, get on top of him, and finish him off. You know what I took from that is Sean Salmon is looking at you as an athletic guy who he can take down at will. Very interesting. They did play up the Michigan State versus Ohio State rivalry. Did you cross paths with this fella before in your collegiate wrestling day? No, I I didn't, but I I would wrestle a lot of guys from Ohio State, and I don't think I've – I don't think I lost to anybody from Ohio State. I will beat everybody from their team. So uh, I was saying, I was like, man, I never lost a guy from Ohio State. So there's no way you're going to beat me anyways. You know, that little corny line. Um, but, I mean, he, he was, you know, here's, here's the thing. So before that fight, he was trying to go after my fan base. It seemed like, and that, cause, cause you know where I got that from? I got that from my mama. <laughs> my mom called me. <laughs> my mom called me. My mom called me with that narrative. My mom called me with that narrative. So she called me and she said, Rashad, Rashad, look, Rashad, look, this kid that you fighting, Rashad, listen, he going, he, he, he saying he going to take all your fans, Rashad, and he's saying he going to leave you knocked out, Rashad, in your own blood, Rashad. He talking cash trash. Rashad, listen, when you hit him, Rashad, keep him hit, Rashad, finish him. That's what my mom is saying. Oh. Now, 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 this is my mom before, at one point, when she t- used to be like this, Rashad, you keep on fighting, your ass going to end up in jail. Like, that's, that's what my mom used to say. So to hear her come from that to now give me fight advice is quite shocking, you know? Wow. Um, 
I love the cash trash comment <laughs> from uh, Mrs. Rashad. Shout out to that. Uh, another fighter your size, you have a one-inch height advantage. You have a half-inch reach advantage. And we talk about these fights starting off weird. It's not just the weird standing act <laughs> kick attempt from Bonner or the slap from uh, Holger. What the hell was Sean Salmon trying with this weird karate? Let's hear the announce team just straight clown him. Salmon looks like he's going to try a side yeah. kick. Yeah. Karate kick there. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, no style points indeed. By the way, shout out to Randy Couture, who I always thought was such an underrated uh, commentator there. But uh, did that throw you off at all when he came out with some kata, basically, against you? It did because, like, like I, I knew like he, his his stand up was kind of like ugly looking. But when he did that, I was just like, I was like, what is this? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, a guy who fights like that and does some unorthodox things, they're a lot harder to fight because they catch you because you don't see them moving typically how you used to seeing people move. So they catch you with that, and that's what kind of had me like, oh man, he's one of these guys. Uh, he was one of these guys. Like I said, <laughs> we talked about this KO before. He's got a funny name. You kick him in the face. But this first round, dude, uh, nice little, like, crafty counter strikes. He, he slides by nicely, takes your back from a standing position, and then he takes you down. Buckeyes in the house, Rashad. What's going through your head? Um, I was extremely frustrated. And remember how I was saying before, like when I fought Stefan Bonham, like the matter I got, the matter he got, the easier it was for me to take him down. Well, that happened to me because he took me down one time off of like a little slide by, I believe it was. And I was kind of like, mm, all right, that felt, then he got me down again. And then it was, it was like, I was kind of embarrassed that he got me down, but I was, I was working on something. Like I was all camp, me and Ali, we trained something, right? Like I was work, I was working on like uh, all kinds of kicks and all kinds of like the flashy stuff because I wanted to follow up from what I did to Jason Lambert. And me and Ali would spar every single night. Are you talking about the manager of the stars, Ali Abdelaziz? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Ali Abdelaziz, yeah. Me and Ali, he, he, was, my, he was my training partner. So. Shot at the end of the day. At the end of the day. <laughs> That's yeah, at, 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 exactly. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, exactly. So, me and Ali would train, and uh, and and that's why when when I came out there, I was trying to do so much stand up and not really neglecting wrestling because I wanted to be known for knocking people out. This feels like when you're playing a video game and you're trying for that, like you know, hail mary play, and then you know, in the meantime, the other guy's kind of chipping away. Yes, at yes. You <laughs> ate a couple elbows on the ground, and like oh I said, I was not prepared for this. They stand back up. You eat a nice, solid right hand, leaving the clinch. Then a big right cross from Salmon. Did he have some some uh, some pepper on that steak at all? Yo, first of all, Sam. Uh, that I mean, um, he was. He he was a lot better than I thought he was. Like I honestly, it, it it was it was like one of those things where it's like um, it's like he's remembered for getting knocked out. But what I remember in that first round, I remember how good he was, and I remember thinking like, "Yo, this dude is like." It was the first time I ever lost a round. Like I, I felt like it was the first time I lost a round in a long time, and I'm just like, "Wow, this is, this is just really happening to me." 
So you attempt a kick, maybe part of the stuff you're working on with Ali, but he catches it, takes you down again. Oh He's mixing in punches to your credit. You work back to your feet. But then the, the round basically comes to a slowdown. It's almost as if you are mentally resetting, going, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we should put that plan out of the way and just get back to winning this. But then a little bit of foreshadowing, Rashad. You come real close in the final, ten, uh, final 30 seconds to landing the same right-footed head kick that you end up finishing the fight with was that did you guys notice was that part of the plan all along because when i watched i'm like oh he got lucky there he just you just missed well he's a southpaw and i knew that he kind of kept leaving his head and hanging his head for there so that's why i kept going for the head kick and that was something that we picked up on in training camp mike winkle john and and um and, my, and, and he was working that with me. And that's what me and Ali was working on. We were working on that kick because he was a softball and Ali is a natural softball too. So that's what made Ali the perfect training partner. So when uh, I was trying to get the timing for it and I barely was getting it, I seen that he was getting more comfortable and he was getting more comfortable because he was getting, he was getting cocky. And, he, and here's the thing about it. It was the first time I ever had anybody talk trash to me. He was talking oh. trash to me out there too. Yeah, man, he was talking trash to me. So I remember feeling like cash, the first the time cash trash? it was like, cash trash, cash yeah. trash. He talked cash trash when I was out there fighting. And uh, it, it was starting to bother me a little bit. And it was the first time in a fight I actually got mad. Well, I'll give you guys credit. Uh, we didn't get to see the corner audio between rounds because of the commercial break. Do you remember if there's any panic? Because you came out real strong in round two. Where What was the corner like? There was there was no panic. Uh, Greg uh, was super calm. He's like, hmm, well, get the first round out. You know, got the jitters out. Okay, now let's go. Let's now let's get to work. And Mike Winkle John, you know, was on me like, hey, let's get to work. Let's stick to the plan. Let's set up our combinations. Let's let's pick this guy apart. And uh, I remember going back to the corner at the end of the first round, and I look over, and Dana White, his, you know how the the table's right there. Well, my stool is right there and his table is right there. And I look at him and me and Dana, like I kind of know him a bit at, the, at, at this time. So he gives me this look and I know the look that he's saying because <laughs> he said it to me so many times in words. And I'm just, I know he's like, he's like, he's like, bro, what are you doing? Like you got, like you, like he's going like this, like, like we actually have audio doing? Of, of his thoughts at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> be a fucking bartender. Uh, Short order cook, a fucking scientist. If that's what you really want to be, then go for it. He wants finishers, Rashad. All right, he wants finishers. Please. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're saying to me. So I feel the, I feel, I feel the pressure of that. And mind you, I knew going into that fight that we didn't have much time to to launch the pros versus Joes because they were telling me that it was it was we didn't have a lot of, like there was not a lot of time in that window. So they were kind of telling me like hurry up interesting all right well you did hurry up you come out mixing in punches nicely you get a little knee to the body that dropped him briefly and then we start to see you holding that left hand out almost like fainting like you know you're about to set up something big did you have any premonitions foreshadowing of what would come which was that big kick no i didn't but i felt like he was getting kind of i felt like he was getting kind of lazy and i felt as if like um what he had the first round, it kind of he kind of wore a little bit of it out because in the second round he was 
a little less springy on his foot, feet. And I think that's what made him so good before is that he was so bouncy. You know how he came out and did that, that karate kick? He was really bouncy. But the second round, he wasn't as bouncy. And I seen him kind of like walking a little bit more. So I knew I could walk him down. Well, you walked him down indeed. I mean, you've had a great career. So, look, I don't think anything's ever going to beat the, the Chuck Liddell one-punch knockout for the brutality for what it meant to your career. But if this was the, the, the if this KO right here was the crowning point of your sizzle reel, Rashad, you, you would have had, had a hell of a run because this knockout is sick. You can't play the Rashad Evans career highlight reel without going right to this one. <laughs> On the button, yes, yes. I got Ooh. three things to say. One, that sound. You heard it. That was, oh I mean, my oh, gosh. My oh my god, that's like a baseball hitting a bat. Number two, we've heard great announced reactions to things. Like Daniel Cormier is the best, right? Thug Rose. Yeah. I have never heard all three analysts at the same time screaming over the top of each other. Randy Couture, y'all. Jesus, I mean, this was a this was a a spiritual moment almost, Rashad. It really was, and um, it kind of surprised me because when my foot left, you know how you just like it feel like it was just a clean swing, and I just knew I got a really good a really good kickoff, and it just kind of went off and it flicked so nice. And when it hit his face, it kind of felt like it hit like in, in a really good meaty area. So I knew I caught like his neck area, and um, when he went down, my instinct was just to hit him as soon as he was coming up because when I fought Brad Imes, when I knocked him down, it seemed like him hitting the ground woke him up. Ah, oh, interesting. So I wanted to make sure that he stayed asleep. So I was going to go and try to hit him again and make sure he stayed asleep. But he was definitely way, way asleep. And uh, it's one of the craziest falls, too. His arms went to his side he his chin like talked it was like he was taking a wrestling bump he hit on the back and then unfortunately the back of his head hit and he was out and when they showed that replay it was directly in front of the announce team so they're going nuts joe silva's sitting in the fourth seat of that announce the the ufc matchmaker he stands up rashad takes the headphones off and has the biggest shitting grin i've ever seen (laughs) at that point what's like what are the what's the fighter's relationship to matchmaker joe silva because it seemed like he was insanely happy you had pulled that off he was really happy for me I, I think joe was always one of those guys who um who rooted for me you know he, he was he was one of those guys i mean and they can't root for you because they always you know they got to do what they have to do and they got to be uh non-biased but at the same time I, I can tell he was always one who was always like yeah we should go out there and get him you know so uh to see me go out there and fight and to do that Oof. he was like okay because for him he put the match together right so when when they get to look like that off of off of 
someone, they like, yeah, I did that. You know, they feel like they, they share in the victory too. I mean, this, this is how you build a star. You get the ground and pound knockout against Lambert. You look dominant. Then you come back with this. It's no, it's no question that your next four fights were all against basically hall of fame level guys and champions there. Um, I mean, look, the, what can you say? This is a badass moment. First head kick, Rashad lands in the UFC, and what a doozy it was. Yeah, what a doozy it was, Joe. That's a weird comment. Um, but the, <laughs> Rashad, what does this do to your confidence? Does it, is it too much? I mean, you, I mean, you, you know, you come back, and we're going to go over these fights in the future, but you come back and have a draw with Tito after this. Um, did you? Yeah, but if you're that age, you're basically 27 years old. You just went from a security guard at a hospital to now a guy who's a full-time fighter, and now you're like a badass. Did, did were you drinking the 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 sugar juice after this? I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I was pretty, I was pretty, uh, pretty high on myself, man. I was like, I was like, you know, it, everything was starting to come together. You know, I felt as if like at this point, you know, my wrestling game was was on point and I felt as now my stand-up game was coming along not only with my hands but now I had confidence to throw my feet and that just that offers up a whole nother a whole nother wrinkle uh that you can bring to a fight so I felt as if like my skill level versus everyone else's was finally starting to level off and I felt as if like I could compete with those guys before where I felt as if like uh, they got this and I don't have that. I assume it put you into a new, you know, tax bracket, a new level of life. Did you start to, to feel like, like it's time, this investment's paying off. It, it's, it's, uh, I mean, did, did you move? Did you, uh, change houses? I mean, what, what's going on in the personal life at this point? Um, yeah, I did. I started to, uh, move up. I, I got a, uh, I bought a house and I started to, uh, you know, started to, to, to move and expand life. You know, me and Latoya, we got married at the time. We had our first child and uh, we were we were starting to to move in that uh, that direction, and life life was great, you know. Life was uh, life was amazing, you know. I was fighting from a good place, you know, and I and I would go away to do my camps, and my mindset was just it was just about fighting. Interesting. Uh, you you end up fighting Tito Ortiz next. We're gonna go over that in the future, but you get a co-main event spot on that pay per view. But according to the California State Athletic Commission, you only made 16K for that Tito fight. He made 210,000. How are you going backwards here? Because that's the, that's the UFC. That was the ultimate fighter contract. It was, it was, it, so it, it's, it was 12 and 12 if I win, and then it was 16 and 16. But since that was a draw, I only yeah. got half of the purse. Wow. Uh, yeah, you guys are, I mean, when you, you know what? I'm going to say it, Rashad. No wonder why <clears throat> no wonder why we have the pay system the way it is because you guys fight so hard to get to that level where you're quote unquote made where you're yeah. a championship level guy a pay-per-view headliner a guy that's why those guys don't complain that's why those guys aren't fighting so that the guys on the undercards can get paid more because when you finally get to that point, I assume from this head kick knockout that, okay, Rashad's, you know, he's next in line almost for a title shot. He's got to be making, I mean, if this was, if this was boxing, you'd have been making about 700,000 for that Tito fight. Like seriously, straight or five. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it, it's, it's wild. I know that this is 2007 UFC wasn't in a place financially. They are now, but now I get it that UFC takes care of you when you get to be a made man. And once you get there, you know, you're not trying to rock the boat anymore. You're, you're trying to, you know, keep cashing. Yeah, and that's, and that's exactly it. Like, they make you 
you have to earn your keep and you have to earn to, to prove that you're going to be a, a good earner with them or you were a good earner with them because, you know, there, there's a lot of fighters and there's a lot of, they're, they're such a, they're, they're a company where it doesn't take a lot for them from a promotional standpoint to make someone a star. So in order for you, for them to really pay you what you deserve, you have to go out there and be that extra and show that you warrant that, you know, and, only way you're doing it is if you climb up that ladder and, and knock out those guys. Wow. Uh, postscript on Sean Salmon. His only other UFC fight was four months later. He was submitted by Alan Belcher at UFC 71. He went on to a journeyman career that lasted all the way through 2013, but unfortunately lost. It looks like close to his last 10 or 11 consecutive fights. Uh, he, was once a, uh, he made it to the Olympic trials of amateur wrestling. He owns a collegiate wrestling win over Bobby Lashley. So the guys, the guy, you know, had some decoration, had some skill. He kind of kicked your ass in round one. All things. He's an amateur wrestling coach today. Um, I, but I doubt after a head kick like that, you guys are trading Christmas cards or anything. Yeah. I, I never talked to him again after that, to be honest. Um, I, I, but you know, it, it's funny because I never talked to him again, but forever, we're going to be intertwined, you know, and I, I just wish him well in life. And, and he, he, you know, for what it's worth, he did kick my ass that first round. I'd like to That's get him on this good. show. I should have done better. <laughs> Got him right now. Let's go to Sean Salmon to, to oh celebrate his one moment, you know, but. Uh, yeah, he, he, but, he definitely had his one moment against me for and sure. Cool. <laughs> and then that was it. But uh, shout out to Rashad. We call this, of course, uh, episode two story time but it's about bursting onto the scene what would happen next was you become a part of that scene like i mentioned tito ortiz michael bisping chuck liddell then the title shot and the victory against forrest griffin will be very interested in going down memory lane of that but at this point 27 year old rashad evans uh, 10 and 0 on top of the world uh not a bad time not a bad 294 days you put together there like i mentioned at the start of the show you went from Raw pretender to now legitimate. That's that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I felt this, um, that that whole that whole growth in those two hundred and something days. It really made or break my career. Just just on a mental basis, you know. Um, I felt as if like that forged what I was going to be in in that in that time, you know. And it felt as if like because I stayed so busy, it felt as it was just an extension from the ultimate fighter and everything that I had from the ultimate fighter just rolled over. And what, what I accomplished in those 200 and something days really became the foundation of what I was to become the rest of my career. And by the way, back to the comment you made after the Lambert win, when they were talking about potentially a title shot and you were like, well, hold on. It's not like there's chumps in this division. Can we just be honest and say chumps that, I mean, I think right now in 2020 UFC lightweight is insanely deep, but light heavyweight at the era that you came up. I mean, just look at those fights. You had to fight Tito Bisping, Chuck Liddell, just to get the title shot. You also got Forrest Griffin, Leona Machida, Shogun Hua, uh, eventually John Jones, Rampage Jackson. There's a reason why that title was changing hands every six months during this time. I mean, what a damn time to be alive. No wonder all of you are Hall of Famers, essentially, from that stretch. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a great time because 
we were all around the same age, you know, and, th- and that's what made it so competitive. But the thing that made it also interesting is because we were all around the same age, but varied in different skill levels based on experience. You know, you, it, when, when they brought the guys over and from pride, it just added a whole nother element to the whole landscape of the light heavyweight division. And that light heavyweight division was the premier division because there was the most money to be made in that division, you know, and, um, you know, those guys in, in, in that light heavyweight division at the time, you know, it was, it was, it, it was savage. Those, those guys were savage. They were not, they were not any boys at all. And they despised the fact that they looked at me as a boy coming from the show. And they're like, I, you know what I had to do to get in this position. Now here you are coming here from some, you know, weak show trying to get all this, you know, everything that I've worked my, my butt off to get. So they came in there with a chip on their shoulder against me. And it, it certainly speaks to John Jones's greatness that he was able to end up going on that run. Oh, my gosh. All of you guys basically back to back to back. I, I like to debate random things sometimes. And the other day, I think I was uh, talking to our producer, Mikey Mormont, just basically saying, look, what if John Jones never existed? What would that – title right. lineage have been i feel like you would have been title a champion like two three more times during that stretch you guys would all just continue to pass it to each other i mean it was it was a wild time man it really was and and, and i can definitely see that happening you know just because you know when john jones was that 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 mold breaker you know what i'm saying he had the attributes that really broke the mold on so many different areas because he had physical attributes that put him in a different realm than the rest of us, you know, and, and it would have been funny to see how it would have been if we all would have just stayed competing against each other because we were all pretty equal. Absolutely. Uh, let's close with the post-fight interview after the head kick. This is a, what a time to be Rashad. Here with the winner and winner in devastating fashion, Rashad, you came into this fight saying that you wanted to get a knockout because it was more satisfying. How satisfied are you now? I'm pretty satisfied. I'm not still satisfied that he's still laying there, but uh, I'm satisfied and I'm just very thankful for it. Well, it was a beautiful head kick. Did you set him up with a leg kick or did you plan on going straight to the head? I plan on going uh, straight to the head. Me and my uh, tight uh, coach, Michael John, worked on that all, all camp and he said he'd be there for it. And uh, I knew I'd catch him with it. There it is on the big screen. Talk us through it. Here it is. Um, I just catch him, lean him, and I knew I had it and I threw the kick. I knew he was getting tired and I just had him. All right, Rashad, congratulations. Devastating performance. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, dedicate this win to a friend of mine who passed away, Nicholas Iris, and, uh, you know, God with you. Congratulations. Look forward to seeing you again. Rashad Evans. Rashad, I wanted to close with that because it shows the humanitarian side that we know and love of, of Rashad Evans today. You concerned for Sean Salmon, and then, and then you shout out your late friend here. What was the, the, the story with that? Yeah, um, yeah, a kid, a kid I grew up with, you know, uh, his friend and my mom are really good friends. And, um, you know, he was battling and going through uh, some cancer. And I would, you know, talk to him on the phone, just kind of give him a little bit of just uh, hope. And, uh, you know, he would um, he, he would tell me how much I inspired him and he would cheer me on. And he told me he'd be watching me fight. And uh, he never got a chance to make it to see the fight. We saw the – you didn't come out there saying, yeah, man, and, and, and Iceman, I'm coming for you. You continued to build, and, and the success came. Can't wait to continue down this journey with you, Rashad. Thanks for the time. Thanks for opening up the vault and taking us back there. We saw Bonner's uh, crazy-looking brother. We had uh, the, the, the Rashad cheering section going nuts. Well, <laughs> 
what a fun time that was back in the you know Oh, in that fertile time, UFC becoming a pay-per-view brand, becoming a, you know, a thing again. It was, uh, the Spike era was wild. It was great. It really was. And, and you know, that's, that's the funny thing that when we go through this is the fact that, yeah, we're watching my career and we've seen everything unfold from my personal perspective, but we're also watching the organization grow and we're watching how they grow as a production and, and where their focus is and how they're bringing the athletes to the table. And you started to see this big machine that is now the UFC today, but in its infancy stages, you kind of see, you know, Dana White with the hair, the Joe Rogan with the hair, and you're just reminded of where it all started. You know, it's, it's quite amazing, man. And I thank you for going down this memory uh, lane with me. You shout out to our listeners of the state of combat. Uh, it is UFC 249 weeks. So Rashad and I, of course, will be back with a full preview. We're going to have some big time interviews with some fighters on this card. We got Cowboy, we got Pettis, we got Steve Pay handicapping that must-see heavyweight bout, which could produce the next title contender. But that is all for now. Fights are back, but we had a little fill here in your quarantine season to keep you fired up for the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans, for our super producer, Mikey Mormile. It's your boy, BC, with two words. We yeah. have. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.